Before we get to our guest, a quick message from our sponsor. We've talked a lot about Mike Lindell's products at MyPillow.com. The quality is just amazing, and everything he makes lasts forever. He's got a new product out right now that the summertime customer will just absolutely love. We've all had the slippers, and the quality on those is amazing. People rave about them. He's got the three layers of comfort, where he's morphed that technology into the summertime sandals. They look like Crocs, but they're much more comfortable and long-lasting. Again, the proprietary three-layer technology that will give you extreme comfort in these sandals to wear around uh, for the rest of your summers, actually. So how can you get these? You can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CDM to get the massive discounts he has on for the launch of this product. But just don't look at the sandals. Mike has over 600 products. If you're looking for household goods or apparel, don't go to the big box communist retailers that support the cabal. Support the Patriots, support cdm.press using pro, promo code CDM, and get the best discounts available at mypillow.com. And now let's get to our guest. So today in American Conversations, we have our friend uh, David Montgomery, who is an economist, and he is one of eight Republican candidates running for the Talbot County Council. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Christine. I've been looking forward to a chance to talk to you. <clears throat> well, you know, David, this morning I received an email, and this wasn't directed to me. It was somebody who had forwarded it to me, but it was written by a woman named Leslie Steen in Talbot County. And I was kind of alarmed by reading what she had to say. She was talking about the candidates and who she's going to vote for. The woman's obviously a Democrat. But she called, she called the eight Republican candidates running for Talbot County. She said that they had serious flaws. And I, I, my head snapped back and I thought to myself, wow, we are really putting ourselves out there and, you know, in terms of this contentious situation. Let's talk about, uh, you know, why are you, why are you into the game? Because, it, you know, when, when your neighbors are calling people serious flaws, I, I thought to myself, that's not my experience. These are, I'm, I commend people that run because they're really putting their derrieres on the line and during these contentious times. So, D David, why'd you throw your hat in the ring for this? Well, I friends asked me if I uh, would be willing to take it on. And uh, we talked about it. I thought about it. I thought about the things that I care about in Talbot County and um, what I might be able to do to help preserve them. And I thought about how I wanted to allocate my time for the next four years and decided that um, this was something that was more a duty than a pleasure and something that I felt I could make a contribution if I got onto the council. And so I decided that uh, that was something worth doing, um, even if it might interfere with other pleasures that I had planned for the next four years. And you, you also were very active even uh, outside of the council when, because there was a revolution going on in Talbot County over a Confederate statue that ended up with people, you know, standing outside of the county council meetings, banging on pans and, you know, having demonstrations and signing petitions and, you know, calling people names. And it was just, it got so out of control that, that you know, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing at certain times because I know that, uh, it became very contentious and very personal for a lot of people. You wanted to keep the statue up. Um, yeah, and yeah. This, this goes back a long period of time. Uh, there's a Frederick Douglass statue that, you know, stands on the same courthouse lawns. But it became really ugly 
I think it's the only word I can possibly describe. But so so and now now you've decided you want you want to be on the on the council. Tell us tell the audience, David, where you come down on different issues. Okay. Uh, right now, leaving the Talbot boys aside, uh, though I still have some opinions on that. Um, the the issue that I see as most fundamental is the issue of uh, uncontrolled growth in the county. That the kind of explosive growth that we would see if the lakeside development, if projects that are proposed on Oxford Road, on Marlborough Road, um, if a an immense um, uh, health club of some sort gets built at the Easton Club by some California investors, it would change the character of the county completely. So for those people who are not paying attention, those people who do not know what this is about, let's just break this down and unpack it. Let's okay. talk about the, the, the Easton Club, because I just recently was told about that, and I don't think many people in the county even know about it. Yes. Um, well, stop me and tell me to hurry up if I spend too much time on this, because the Easton Club has been a long, dragged-out um, process. Mm -hmm. Several years ago, um, a group of, well, more than several years ago, uh, there was a golf club, and Easton Club was originally a golf community. Then the developer um, somehow managed to make the golf club go bankrupt, um, pulled out, and the golf course went to weeds. At that point, there was actually a tax sale of the property, and it was auctioned off to a group of California investors. Um, who are who doctors, right? Aren't they doctors? Are doctors, yes. And uh, their representatives came out and spoke to the Easton Club and the County Council several times about their interest in building something that they thought no one had ever heard of here, which was a health resort where women and children could go and uh, relax and go to a swimming pool while their husbands were playing golf. And uh, the concept that those Californians thought we had never heard of, which was a farm to table restaurant. Well, that dragged on and on, uh, going up and down. Finally, the county compelled them to cut the grass. And now they have actually submitted the plan after a number of years, which too is to build a monstrous hotel-like structure, a very large health center, and another building whose purpose I'm not entirely sure of, um, and taking up most much of the, uh, the land that was uh, previously used as the, uh, as the golf course. They're intending to have a lot of people coming in and out on a daily basis and have people stand, uh, staying there. And the roads in the Easton Club are not even up to normal county standards for width. The traffic is, up, is something that the residents are quite upset about. So have, have you spoken to any of the people who live in that neighborhood? I mean, are they, are they going to have a revolution over this? Yes, I have a number of good friends there. They are very angry about it. Um, they have, I think, exhausted their resources legally. Uh, I, mean, I don't know whether there are more steps that they can take. Uh, there seems to have been agreement between the Homeowners Association and these developers, but none of the residents that I know are happy about it in any way. So this is about a mile outside of the historical district of uh, Easton. Um, and who approved this? Did this have to go through the, was it the town of Easton or the, is this the county that had to approve this? 
It was the town of Easton. Uh, the um, I believe that the county probably has some leverage on it, but it was the town of Easton that uh, let this go ahead. Who? Well, it's the town of Easton that will be approached, put it that way, because what they have, what they want is a planned unit development. And that there are several steps in a planned unit development before it gets to the, uh, the town council. There's the town's planning commission. There's the town staff. There's actually a review by a state organization for the allocation of, um, if you like, growth rights in critical areas. That's where the county council ha will have an input into what happens. Uh, not that it can veto a project, but it can certainly make its position clear to that board uh, at the state level. So this is not a fait accompli, but this will impact any traffic around the, the bypass and, and east, and it'll impact anybody going towards Oxford? coming yes. from Oxford, <clears throat> and also, God knows uh, what else. I mean, it's, it's uh, and, and also everybody who lives in that original golf community. Yes, and we can say that of really all of the other developments, but in particular, there's another proposal for 200, 250 housing units uh, on a property that uh, runs from Oxford Road in kind of a crescent around to Route to uh, 322, the bypass. And that's disturbing because uh, there, there are only two ways to get in and out, one from Oxford Road and one from the bypass. The connect, the intersection between Oxford Road and the bypass is already a failed intersection in technical terms. It frequently takes two or three lights to get through that intersection when there's a lot of traffic coming up from Oxford and it would just be worse. The bypass, is no longer a bypass because of all the development that's been allowed along it. There are so many curb cuts along it and now traffic lights that the traffic backs up just as badly there on weekends as it does on Route 50 trying to get through the traffic lights. And if there's a an entrance to this community on the bypass, it's going to be one more traffic light to slow traffic down going through there. So the, the and the second development that would be addressed by the county council is uh, Lakeside. So let's let's talk about that because some people just don't know. Yes. Now <laughs> Lakeside is a an area that was well is to be developed. It's that the south end of the county um, and the town of Trap that had you know a couple of hundred uh, houses um, annexed this area twenty years ago in order to make it possible for it to be developed. Uh, the county, uh, uh, certainly some officials in the county opposed that annexation strongly, but it went ahead. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, the plan, and after many years of the economics changing, the investors changing, um, the developer is going ahead now with a plan to develop 20, to uh, put in 2,500 houses, uh, about, I believe what I saw was 60 acres of commercial development and other amenities for uh, the, the people who live there. And it's being advertised now as move here to a self-contained community right off Route 50 where you will have all of these things together. And it's been described as uh, let's do something like Columbia, Maryland here in Talbot County. So it's um, taking it's taking the the rural aspect that is very much appreciated by people who live out here and flipping it around to make it look like suburbia. Absolutely, and the first mile or two that 
uh, you cover from well, several miles that will be driven from uh, the border toward, of Dorchester County on the south toward Easton will simply be that. It will be this development lining the road. So is that is the lakeside a fait accompli? No. Um, it's being opposed now by a group called the Talbot Integrity Project, and they've endorsed me, just for full disclosure, mm -hmm. and I agreed with them. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk later about how I came to agree with them on this. Uh, Talbot Integrity Project is um, suing the Maryland Department of Environment on the grounds that the Maryland, Maryland Department of Environment had no right to, was made an error in granting uh, permission uh, for the development to go ahead uh, because of its inadequate, um, um, the Maryland Devar Department of Environment, I'll call it MDE, so I don't keep trying to say all those three words quickly. MDE okay. had responsibility for looking at it and determining whether the environmental impacts, in particular, the um, impact of the Chesapeake Bay was going to be acceptable. And MDE determined it did. The lawsuit is, uh, points out that MDE was required to follow the recommendation of the Talbot County Planning Commission. The Planning Commission recently voted three to two to rescind its approval of the project because the first 120 houses will be putting their sewage into a failed sewage treatment plant that belongs to the town of Track. That should have triggered a withdrawal of the approval by the Maryland Department of Environment. But it didn't. And were they also, informed? Were they informed? Yes. Uh, yes, they were informed in several ways. Uh, they were asked. They were given. I mean, they were informed by the uh, planning commission. They were informed by Preserve Talbot. Uh, Preserve Talbot. Uh, sorry, by uh, the Talbot Integrity Project, and um, they have not taken action. So the the um, the lawsuit is to require them to take an action uh, that uh, they. Uh, for a judge to take an action that they were legally required to take. Okay, so they're trying to, the Talbot Integrity Project, pardon me, I'm losing my voice <clears throat> after doing too many shows today. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are, they're asking them to stop the project. That's correct. <clears throat> All right, and now, has that lawsuit been filed? Yes, it has. It has been filed. All right, so are there any other um, economic development issues that you can foresee yet, I mean, if you win the seat on the Talbot County Council that you would be opposing? Because obviously you're opposing both of these projects. Um, I don't I don't know what's coming next. Uh, I don't know of anything else that has reached the stage of being announced. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some, I believe, on the east side of Route 50 uh, that I know less about. Um, I'm not opposed to um, new businesses coming into Talbot County. I'm certainly not opposed to new construction taking place in Talbot County, but I think it has to be done in a measured way and it has to be consistent with the plan that's already been put together by the, uh, well, really the, the master plan that's been accepted by the County Council after being developed by the citizens and the Planning Commission's job is to enforce that master plan. And I think that should guide where we're going. And, um, but what really concerns me and what really concerns me is not that there will be growth, but that the growth that would come with trap is much too large for the county to abs absorb without 
completely changing its rural character. Well, it will also, I mean, but that other project at the Easton Club, that yeah. would completely change the traffic. <clears throat> you know, right in, right in the, you know, the main, the main center of uh, Easton. Yes, it would. And the, uh, actually all of these will affect traffic. Um, Route 50 is very difficult to get up and down or across um, during really any rush hour period. And it's uh, impossible. You know, I simply don't cross Route 50 uh, on weekends during the summer. And with the traffic of from 2,500 houses, possibly 5,000 cars added to that traffic every day for going up and down, possibly going all the way at to Washington for work or uh, in, uh, by uh, people who decide to move here because uh, it's a lot more attractive place than the Washington suburbs. So there's going to be terrible traffic on Route 52. Actually, there's no infrastructure available right now to absorb 2,500 new houses anywhere in, in that area uh, near Trap. We don't have, yeah, it would involve a police adding 10 or 15 or more to local police forces. Um, Trap doesn't really have a police force to, to handle that large an area or number of people. We don't have the roads to deal with it. We certainly don't have the sewage treatment. That's a huge, uh, a very contested issue going beyond the first 120 houses because what's being proposed as I understand it now is to spray the um, the wastewater onto local fields in quantities that cannot possibly be absorbed by the soil. So there, there are big infrastructure issues about all of this. And the public needs to become engaged and, and find out where people stand for this, because you could have people in the county council that would think that give them the green light. Yes. Yes. All right. So let me ask you some some questions that that'll, the county council also is involved with health and, and, and lockdowns. Are you in favor of lockdowns if we run into any of these this covid crises again? Absolutely not. They were never justified by any kind of benefit cost analysis the first time around. And um, uh, the evidence that we have seen is that the lockdowns did little to prevent the transmission of covid and they did immense economic harm. And then on top of that, they've done immense psychological harm to children, to unemployed workers. Uh, and I could go on adding to that, but lockdowns have never been a good policy and I certainly would never support them in any way here in Talbot County. Okay, so for the last two and a half years, I have interviewed vaccinated injured. I've interviewed people who have COVID long hauler situations. I've interviewed doctors who uh, object to Fauci and I've interviewed people around Fauci. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I've, I've done the full circle for two and a half years, not just in the United States, but internationally. Are you in favor of mandated masks? No. Okay. Are you in favor of mandated vaccinations? Uh, by government? No. By anybody? I think it's up to the employer. If the If the employer is convinced that vaccinations are uh, necessary for those employers, then I do not think that the county council should prevent them doing that. Well, David, <clears throat> Fauci and uh, Bill Gates have said point blank mm-hmm. that 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 would <clears throat> that these uh, the shots do not prevent transmission. 
the shots do not prevent, prevent disease. And matter of fact, Bill Gates said in Davos within the last two months, uh, maybe three months, uh, but he said it on the stage that he didn't see the point of mandates because they didn't prevent the transmission or the disease. I'm not sure where Bill Gates is coming from. I don't actually spend a lot of time watching what his uh, pronouncements are. Um, but my uh, assessment personally is that uh, the benefit that the uh, risk reduction that came that uh, I expected from the vaccines was far greater than any risk I was taking by having the vaccines. Well, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bricks and Fauci, Dr. Bricks just testified in the last two weeks before Congress. She said that they were hoping that they, they were going to prevent transmission. They were hoping that they were going to prevent disease. But she says now that, the, that, they, that <laughs> this was a wishful thinking as opposed to a definitive uh, statement. And it's, an, it's directly opposite of what Fauci was telling the public back in 2020 and 2021, you know, that these are safe and effective for all people, when in fact that they're not. So how, I, I want to get into why you think an employer should, should designate this. I mean, I, I agree with you, it shouldn't be the government, but why an employer? For well, something first, that doesn't exist. You can't, I mean, if you're requiring somebody to do something and for a certain reason, but, but requiring them to do something that may cause harm or doesn't, is, is not safe and effective, why would you want to give that power to, to an employer? Well, because I am not convinced, and uh, we can argue this, and I know you have spent a lot more time on this than I am, but as an economist and as a statistician, I look at the data and I do not see support for the contention that the, um, vac that the vaccine has been useless. I look at clinical results and I see that people who have the vaccine get sick, far are far less sick when they do test for COVID than those who haven't had the vaccine. And I think those statistics are reliable. Well, what do you think? What do you, do you think that the military should be forced to get these vac vaccinations? Because a lot of people are leaving, including a lot of pilots. In the military, you're required to get all sorts of vaccinations. Uh, the foreign service officers are required to get all sorts of vaccinations. That's true, but this is the first. When they first did this after 9/11 for anthrax, it hadn't been through the FDA approvals, and that most of the most of the shots that the military has are, are FDA approval. But this is not. This this doesn't have safe. There's no trial completed for any of this. So, are you saying that even though the FDA hasn't gone through the the safety and the testing trials? I think that the circumstances of the first COVID pandemic were such that um, rushing, that it was an extraordinary achievement to come up with vaccines that um, did show on the initial clinical trials that they were effective in uh, preventing or reducing the, uh, uh, the, the in infections in the people that got them. And that uh, the, um, that the <laughs> that having the FDA get off its ass and approve something, I think, is a real regulatory reform because I am not convinced that the FDA's incredibly slow process for approving uh, for approving drugs has been beneficial to health in general. So, no, I am very happy with the process by which the vaccines were gotten out there. I think that the evidence that we had of entire, you know, first line ships, aircraft carriers being taken out of action because of their crews being 
infected so rapidly and, and incapacitated is something that it's quite legitimate for the military to uh, say, we don't want to tolerate this. We want our, our military personnel who are in close contact with each other and who are absolutely necessary. We want to prevent them from getting to the disease as much as possible and keep them on board. I, that is my opinion. You ever, have you ever spoken to anybody who's been vac vaccinated injured? Yes. You have to wear, I mean, but the point is I'm a statistician and statistics always trump specific, um, you know, always trump anecdotes for figuring out whether something is effective and figuring what the relative risks are. Yes, there are risks. Have you have you read any of the, the, the thousands of medical journals that have been written about vaccination injured? I have seen it, yes, but the numbers are small enough that I believe that my conclusion is that from the number of diseases, from the trials that we have seen and the statistics that we have seen comparing populations that are vaccinated with populations that are not vaccinated on a large scale, we see very significant statistical differences that the vaccinated populations have less deaths, have fewer serious illnesses, have fewer admissions to uh, uh, ICU units. And on that basis, I conclude that the benefits of the drug of the vaccine are exceeding its risks. And you, but you also you're you're saying that that you look at the numbers. Yes, I do, and I think for the most part, this is a decision. <clears throat> I think that in every case, this is a decision that should be left up to the individual, except in circumstances where they are working. Um, it makes a difference. So, um, just as I think that. If you believe in abortion, if you're a Catholic and you think abortion is right, you can have that opinion, but you, you cannot be a Catholic. Likewise, if you want to be in the military, you have to accept that one of the conditions is being vaccinated. If you want to work in a hospital, I think that you, the, the person who is most adamant about this point is my wife. My wife is a nurse. She worked at NIH for many years. She was required to have all sorts of vaccinations that had a very high likelihood of making her sick for at least a time. And it's just a condition of employment. He says, if you want to be in healthcare, you do what the healthcare, you know, what your, what the healthcare administrators tell you, you have to do. All right, let's move on. So um, what are the other issues that you see of primary importance running for the Talbot County Council? The issues I see are primary important, and I'm not going to put this in any order. Um, the first one is protecting our police officers from the unfair treatment that Annapolis is imposing on them. Explain uh, that, David, for the audience, because people may not understand that. It's very, I, very important issue. I know, and I have to start it somewhere. So mm -hmm. uh, last year, several um, bills with very, very bad policies for dealing with the police. I mean, calling them defund the police, uh, that's what Annapolis did in its last two sessions. Um, I testified against one set of these bills back during the COVID period when they were trying to slip them through without even having normal hearings. And it was just atrocious. They had, basically, they had the relatives of criminals who had been shot dead in the, while they were committing crimes, standing there and talking about how terrible it was that, uh, that uh, the police were, were killing people and that we needed to do all sorts of things to make it impossible for police to do their jobs. And that's pretty much what this did, these, these bills did. And 
uh, our sheriff Joe Gamble and the other um, police of, uh, you know, law, chief law enforcement officers here are working hard to try to make sure that our police can still do their job. The critical one here right now is that the law said that it changed the standards for use of force from something that was clear to something that's totally un, totally unknown and will not be figured out until police officers are actually taken to court and prosecuted and the judge decides what this new standard in the legislation means. So that's bad enough all by itself. But then all complaints against police officers will now be judged not by their superiors, but by a panel of civilians. And those civilians will be appointed by the county council, um, among other varied organizations to get to say who they want to have on it. It's absolutely critical that the county council appoint fair-minded people to those commissions, because they are going to be the ones that determine whether our police officers continue working here or quit and go where some work in some other state that doesn't have such stupid uh, rules. Okay, and what are, what are the other issues of importance? Because that is important. That affects you know who, who people vote for for county council will be voting. I mean, they will either have to decide if there should be a citizens commission on um, police conduct, you know, decided by people who volunteer for the job or not. Yes. Well, there will be a citizens commission. The mm -hmm. question is whether those citizens will be fair-minded or will be rabid defund the police um, uh, activists who want to prosecute every police officer for uh, anything that is, you know, that a civilian complains about. Right, right. So the next, the next issue, and this is something that I've studied and that I have in particular have studied and written about for a couple of years is critical race theory. Um, critical race theory is a, again, a name that's used conveniently to refer to a whole lot of stuff. What matters right now is that um, the outcome of critical race theory, as it's being, as it's been pushed within the education profession and in, in Annapolis and in Washington and uh, in, for God's, and by the Biden administration is to insist is to teach children falsehoods America, about American history that will make them lose their respect for this country, to teach them falsehoods about race in the United States, and to actually intimidate anyone except African-American children into believing that they are oppressors and that their whiteness gives them privileges that they should be ashamed of, and which also teaches the African-American students that they've been oppressed so that they really don't have any chance of doing anything uh, unless uh, the, the, the white uh, oppressors uh, take their foot off their heels. It's absolutely horrendous. Um, you know, the and how does, that, how does that impact people who are voting for people for the county council? Well, the first thing it means is we absolutely have to have a school board which is, which is willing to take this task on. And the four nominees that uh, are being promoted by the Republicans, uh, especially Don and Nozolek, are absolutely capable of doing that. We need the school board because up until now, the school administrators and the school board have been absolutely refused to reveal what actually is in the curriculum that students are being taught. But again, how does that how does that impact people's choice? That's one of your positions. Yes. But 
let's connect the dots here for the public to the county council. The county council has authority over the school's budget. It gets to say what it will accept. The, the school board and the, uh, the school administrators only get to propose their budget. The county council gets to say what they will approve. Council needs the help of the school board to understand what is in the budget and needs to go through it line item by line item to say, if you are using this money for doing something we don't approve of, we're taking out of the budget. And then following up with a serious program, program review of the school using a, you know, perhaps actually paying for a qualified consultant to come in and find out exactly how the money is being spent, what the curriculum is, how it's being taught, and the extent and how much of the time in particular is being spent on teaching students things that are worthwhile, that, you know, mathematics, um, literature, language, history, sciences, and how much is time is being spent on these kind of social grooming activities, uh, for lack of a better word. Okay. What other, what other issues are on part of your platform? Uh, well, we've covered schools, we've covered police, we've covered development. Um, I think the other thing that is the one other thing that's important to me is preserving our culture and our history. And I've been accused of just not being able to let go of the Talbot boys. Well, I actually went out to visit the Talbot boys a couple of weeks ago in Virginia. Uh, we were already on vacation there, thankfully. So we'd taken the 150 mile trip already. So it was just a matter of driving another 15 miles and actually finding our way through several Virginia back roads to an even more, um, well, to, to an even smaller road, which looked like a gravel driveway between a few uh, houses, drove up the road, found parking space for two cars, walked another 50 yards or so to a fence. And there at the far end of a, you know, I guess it was a, I guess a seven to 10 acre field, we could just see the head of the Talbot Boy statue, which was out there all by itself, in one corner of the field, actually facing into the woods. Um, and I was just infuriated that, and I'm gonna name names, Pete Lesher assured the county that there would be better public access and it would be easier to see and the statue would be more honored by being moved to Virginia than it would be if it were relocated to a farm in Trap where the owner was quite willing to have people come and visit it. That was just a lie when I went out and actually saw where the Talbot boys are. And we still have those who are interested in doing what should have been done originally, which is to put up a joint memorial to both Union and Confederate soldiers of the Civil War that will let us continue to understand what actually went on here. So that's another thing that I will do. Um, I think it's important, but in my ranking of issues that really matter for the county, it's one that it's important to keep our character. So it's, it's part of my broader philosophy that this county is worth preserving the way it is and prevent it from turning into another suburb of um, the major metropolises with all the failed policies that uh, they have, that have made people want to move away from there. So how's your campaign doing? I know that you've been politicking the last couple of weeks. So in the early voting has already started um, yes. in Maryland and right. the primary is on the 19th of July. 
So what are you seeing? What are you hearing out on the campaign trail? I'm, we have, we've decided on a, a strong media blitz for the last few weeks before the election. So I have, um, I've done a direct mailing to uh, Republican voters in Talbot County that has been arriving for the last few days. Um, I have ads in the uh, in the Star Democrat. One of the peer appeared um, yesterday uh, on the online edition. Nice banner, and I have to give kudos to the Star Democrat. Their designers of ads do a really good job. And then it's in the print edition today, and those ads will be repeated next week. They'll be sending out emails uh, to uh, uh, with to their subscribers uh, with my advertisement in the in them. And uh, I'm kind of working for, you know, doing more online advertising to get to the people here in Talbot County. Um, and I hope that plus what I have done so far, I have a website that I wish more people would look at. I have a Facebook page that's even better because I keep it up to date all the time. And uh, I hope those things will give people an idea of who I am. And uh, so that's been my campaign. Um, that plus recommending that if somebody really wants to figure me out, they go see what I've written in the Chesapeake Observer and before that in the Talbot Spy. And like it or not, that's who I am. So so um, you did write someplace, and I can't remember exactly where, or your opinion of the, the transgender parade or festival a couple weeks ago in Easton. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I think this entire transgender movement is a source of immense harm to those children and teenagers who are being taken in by it. I think that it is something that it is, we have seen just an explode. I mean, there's something like 10 times as many teenagers claiming that they are transsexual than there were a decade ago, many of them teenage girls. And we are seeing them being given, and they're being given hormone treatments uh, that will change their bodies completely. Uh, we're seeing them getting, you know, even being given surgeries uh, to, you know, remove parts of their body. Uh, and this is being done for children that are far too young, both and far too undeveloped, both emotionally and intellectually, to make decisions like this that would affect the rest of their lives. God's sake, we don't even let them. Technically, we don't even let them smoke because of the uh, the harm that that will do to them and their and the you know the the, the mistakes that uh, teenagers make. Um, and what I see, and I see things like the and particularly, it outraged me when I discovered that the county council had actually voted to create a transgender visibility day. That is exactly the opposite of what the council would, should be doing. The, the council has a responsibility also to try to preserve the, the, the physical and moral health of the children in the county. And that goes beyond just seeing what happens to them in the schools. It means drag queens in the library. It means, um, transsexuals and others dressed up in drag going around, you know, parading the streets and collecting dollar bills from little children for the way they're dancing. Those are not things that we should be allowing to happen in the county. And the reason I believe it is that 
This does not take any particular sense of morality to reject. This is something that simply the morality that says, do no harm to the children around you should reject because we know that it causes physical harm. We know that it causes psychological harm and we know that it causes, um, and those are the consequences of pushing this, this agenda, this transsexual and LBGGQLGBTQ plus, plus agenda. So, so let me ask you this, because this is, this is um, there's a big link between the De Maryland Department of Education and the transgender sexuality uh, education of children. Yes. Written in, in their uh, manual. And, and this is, you know, this is their manual. Uh, it says that they, that they want to be able to teach children about anal oral vaginal sex from kindergarten to third grade. How is, I mean, if you're sitting on the county council and you oversee the budget, and this is what the, the State Department of Education is pushing. And it's not just the state. It's uh, Joe Biden signed an executive order in the last two weeks, and he's throwing the whole weight of the federal government across the board, okay? Even the Department of State, Treasury, you mm -hmm. name it, to push, to push this uh, LGBTQI plus policy, which is right. different from when Obama was, because Obama started off as the LGBT czar at the State Department. By mm -hmm. the time he filled that position, they added the I. Now it's plus, <clears throat> and it's the federal government. Right. And America's pushing this out. So we've got uh, Joe Biden as the former pimp president, and then we have him now as a trans president. But how could you possibly stop that if you're on the county council when this is coming down from the federal government to the state government? How do you stop that? I don't know whether we stop it, but from and I'm going to but I'm going to steal a phrase from Joe Gamble, and I hope I don't come across as too over over dramatic. This is a hill I would die on. I think that the county council simply has to say no, and it can say no by taking these things out of the budget. It can say no by firing the school superintendent who who will not uh, obey its uh, wishes, um, and if necessary, and I would simply I mean. With all of this that's happening, I think we should seriously consider in Talbot County passing a, re a resolution, passing a bill that says exactly the same thing as the bill in Florida. There will be no education of children under a certain age into these things in Talbot County. Take us to court, state, and we will be happy to bring the wrath of the American people down on you. David Montgomery, candidate for the Talbot County Council. Thank you for joining us today. Thank good you. Luck, good luck with the campaign. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you.